welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at For the Record Podcast, all one word, dot com. This week we're talking about the 10th Slater Kinney album called Path of Wellness, and it starts with the title track. This is our 150th episode. It's also the first time we're visiting a band for the third time. Wow. And, and we're doing that because it's Slater Kinney, pretty much my favorite band. And anytime they put out a record, it's time to pay attention. And coming into this album, the first thing we hear is super processed bass, this very hiccupy percussion that is not Janet Weiss. Mm-hmm. And it's very much like a, yep, we're a different band now. Then at the end of that section, we hear finally those guitars, those distinctive Slater Kinney guitars are like, okay, maybe it's going to be okay. Yeah, it definitely feels like a choice that they start with this kind of syncopated polyrhythmic percussion with, I don't know if that's cowbells or some other like weird elements that are very not Janet Weiss. And, and as you said, a bass. And of course, this is the first album since... There was all of the drama about their drummer, Janet Wise, who left. It, the three of them had played together for 20-something years. Yeah, damn near. Yeah, and, and the last album was, in my opinion, not very good. It was in a very different direction. I think because it was produced by Annie Clark, St. Vincent, who I do not like and think is very pretentious and annoying, I think maybe that helped me dislike it more, but it definitely has her sound on it. And apparently the, the process of recording that album just created a rift between them and so this is the first album where they're embarking on a new direction yeah and it's one of the strengths of this band but also one of the risks is every time they're really doing something different i think the closest to we're just going to kind of do sound similar was their comeback album no cities to love which i think made a little bit of sense just like yeah we're we're back we're not uh, we're still the same band and then but every album prior to that they changed dramatically and here they're changing dramatically again and I was really, when they announced the title of the album being Path of Wellness, I was not sure what to make of it. And though when, once I heard this song and really absorbed it, it is 
really, I think, the kind of scathing, very feminist take that they've already brought of how kind of female empowerment being commodified and sold as this pseudoscience and it's just like oh we're gonna make you feel terrible about yourself and then drain your toxins so you feel better about yourself never mind the toxins aren't a real thing and that i i think that kind of sense of precariousness and they're our age they're middle-aged women you know they're maybe prime target for that wellness community wellness sales pitch i hear it as this duality this ambiguous duality that is very I think fits well with the record which is you could read it that way as you know wellness being co-opted by these cynical snake oil salesmen who want to drain your toxins and sell you powders that will cure your cancer and have become kind of the face of female QAnon believers and and anti-vaxxers there's that path of wellness versus if you take it at face value you know this is a band that has been through a difficult time we've all been through a difficult time as a country and as humans and now maybe we are on a better path and if you take it in a just at face value maybe this is their path to a relationship to each other and to the band that feels more right yeah i guess you might say i think this song is about the very cynical path of wellness and maybe we hope that the album is about the positive Un, you know, sincere uh, path of wellness. And so I think we get very sincere immediately onto the next track, which I think just meditation on life and mortality. It's called High in the Grass. something different that is a sidestep from what we might expect from Slater Kinney and in this one it's Corin's voice and I just love how she just has this beautiful singing voice that turns into a little bit of a wail during the chorus but in the verses it's just so pretty yeah I think she hasn't really let herself go in that direction in Slater Kinney or I'd say this is most reminiscent of her solo album that was you know, pretty good. I but... think there were two solo albums. The Corn Tucker Band had two albums. Oh my goodness, you're right. There were two. There were two. Anyway, they they, they were they, so memorable. Yeah, they were so memorable. I mean, they were good, but it was uh, you know, Slater Kinney is such a towering shadow to try and get out from. But what I love is that yeah, she is able to combine that sort of pretty, very pop folky voice, and then unleash some of that just primal force in the choruses and we hear very much the sort of guitar sound that they mastered in the woods that just super overdriven so it almost sounds like your stereo is broken 
so it's both the pretty Corin and the classic Slater Kinney. And it's this universal message of young people living their lives, but also again, they're, they're middle-aged and now looking back on that and recognizing, yeah, we're mortal beauty doesn't last forever, but you still have to get out there and live and plant the seeds of the future. Even if you don't live to see it, it's a, a sweet message, even though there's this kind of shadow of like, yeah, you're, you're not going to live to see what those seeds grow into, but you still have to live and plant those seeds. And I think all all the songs on this record have kind of the double double entendre of being recorded during the pandemic and having, you know, this, you could also read this as like a pre-pandemic song of like, oh yeah, we were just having so much fun and we didn't realize that everything was going to change. You know, this was the second single and I thought it was a nice pairing with the next track that's the first single and they do such a great pairing. This is very, as I said, corn-fronted, corn and it's this bright with this kind of shadow of fear. And then I think this next track is called Worry With You, and it sort of flips that, where it's dark but with hope. this was the first single and it has taken a while to grow on me it's still not my favorite track on the record but i think it has a lot of charm i love the basic sentiment of like yeah the world's crazy but if you can find someone to share it with that's pretty awesome yeah it is my favorite track on this record and it's so charming like it's i i just relate to it so much as someone who worries a lot and is very glad to have someone to worry with I feel like these are the most Janet Weiss sounding drums. There's a lot of little fills and it just, it reminds me of actually some of the Wild Flag songs, which was the side project that she did with Janet and Mary Timoney. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I guess there were three different drummers on this record Mm -hmm. and I have not found any information about who plays on which tracks, Mm. but there are definitely the tracks that feel like, oh, this could be Janet Weiss drumming. And then the other ones that are just crazy polyrhythms with cowbell and are like, I think this is one of the other drummers. I do not know who is who. But it, I like that there's that amount of variety. It's like, well, if we're if there's no longer a drummer in the band, let's mix it up and do a variety of sounds. And I love that. Also, I, I do appreciate that coming at the very beginning, we catch just the tail end of that where it's a very like hard rock guitar solo. And then the song, the rest of the song is much more spare with just little bloop, bloop, bloop kind of melod- melodic lines that are very open. And there's a, this song has a lot of room to breathe, which is charming. Yeah, and the part where we faded out, it's got this weird kind of production, like 
fade, like arpeggiated, like fade. Yeah, that's su- super process of some kind of flangers on the guitars. It's yeah, they're they're being playful here, and it's kind of amazing. I guess this is the first record they've self-produced, but then because you know they were doing in the in the pandemic and sending. Uh, demos back and forth and you know doing some live recordings but I think a lot of the songwriting was being done sort of collaboratively but not together then self-produced but then I guess they did bring in John Goodmanson who has produced most of their records Mm. I think all well anyway most of the records and he did the engineering so there's still a fair bit of polish for something that otherwise when I heard self-produced I'm like oh no it sounds really good (laughs) Uh, although the bass just is still, I can't quite get my head around there being a bass in this band. It'll, oh. t- it'll take a while. <laughs> I think it's going to take a while for them to get used to the bass being in the band as well. So this completes sort of the first three tracks. It's an 11-track album, and I really felt like it's roughly three chapters. And then there are these kind of smaller, quieter, and honestly, songs that I really thought were pretty forgettable, even though this next track is the that we're not going to play is the, was a single, but it then opens into the second of these three chapters that I feel like is the thematic heart of the record and very much the, yep, they were writing this album in 2020 in Portland. Mm -hmm. And so that starts with the fifth track, Shadow Town. Heartbreaking song because it really gives that sense of being in a town that's on fire that where the feds are in and just throwing people in vans and it's almost a war zone and in interviews they've talked about how yeah we went to some of the protests and then it stopped being protest and it started being a war and no we were not there yeah like for people who are not familiar like portland was one of the i mean there was a lot of police violence everywhere in 2020 but in particular in portland just police just attacking protesters and just being really terrifying yeah so it's very much this song of hey we're not on the front lines but our hearts are with you don't get killed and maybe don't kill anyone and when you're done come we support you but also we're not there so it's a it's kind of a very strange it's a strange message and I think kind of the through line of yeah, that they're, you know, they, their hearts are with the movement, but also it's like, you know, they're, they're middle-aged and Corin has two kids and they have adult responsibilities. And it's, I think it's tough for them. And this song I I think is, is struck through with that, but 
you know, she may have adult responsibilities, but she also still has that voice and that these choruses, she really lets herself go. And I love that there's a variety of different sounds where it's sort of a traditional Slater Kinney and then it's very quiet and almost there's like almost like an acoustic sounding guitar on there. And then the cowbell comes in when she really unleashes. And so it's a little repetitive. And I think that's, you know, if I have a complaint about the album, I think a lot of the songs do just find one lyric and just kind of yeah. repeat it or here it's like the same chorus three times in a row, although with slight variations in her some rotation, but yeah. still, um, but this one is, this song really grew on me. I think early on it didn't, it was not a, a keeper and it, I think I, I actually really like it. This is a, the, the, if I have one criticism about this record, it's that it doesn't have the intensity and the energy that is what I like about Slater Kinney. And I feel like where the album kind of starts out slow and you talked about it having sort of three different sections, I do feel like this is where it picks up the energy a little bit more and she does have the intensity in those choruses. And then I think it gets even more intense on the next song we'll play, which is called Favorite Neighbor. That's the end of the song, which just has such a, it's such a powerful song and it just like cranks through and then just ends. And I really like that ending. Yeah. Well, I think this is such a wonderful follow-up for Shadow Town, where it's like, oh, there are these protests happening and oh, we're not, now it's a war and we're not there. And I feel like this song is such a like expression of liberal guilt of like, hey, we thought things were fine and life yeah. was pretty good for us. And oh, actually maybe things are screwed and we were just having a good time and whoops. This, um, this, the, I'm reading a lot into it, and these are very ambiguous lyrics, but it reminds me a lot of when this was maybe 20 years ago, but in California, we had this very homophobic proposition that went on the state ballot that was called Prop 8. And, you know, we live in the Bay Area, it's very liberal. And I was, my eyes were opened, and I was so shocked when neighbors in my neighborhood had Prop 8, pro Prop 8 signs on their lawns and I would go running early in the morning and I would just steal all the signs and put them in the trash but it's like a realization that you know I kind of assume good intent among strangers but there are evil people among us and I think it's the way that a lot of people had their eyes opened when Trump was elected and I feel like that's the message I get from the song it's like realizing that there are demons among us yeah and also it's but it is there there's a real sense of powerlessness of like yeah we we thought we were doing the right thing and maybe we were just virtue signaling and Oh, we were writing these songs and did they help? Well, no, <laughs> bad <laughs> things still happen. Uh, and so it's it's a very angry and kind of hopeless. And it kind of feels, it feels a little like Jumpers mm -hmm. off of The Woods, which is a song, total barn burner. And s like people get up and dance when they play it live. 
And it's a total bummer. And I feel like this is a similar, like, total bummer. And holy moly, when they get a chance to play it live, people are going to dance their asses off. And I just love the lyric, uh, should have seen it coming, drowning in the gold and soaking in the honey. And that just does such a great encapsulation of what you're talking about, of, like, just kind of being complacent. And while the Republicans were building this vast fascist machine that now has... One might call it a vast right-wing conspiracy. (laughs) And so from this, uh, you know, upbeat message, we go into the next track where they go pretty metal, which is appropriate for, you know, environmental apocalypse. It's called Tomorrow's Grave. Let's Corin Tucker channel such a dark energy and it's, if anything, even more hopeless than the earlier tracks in this section. And this is, yeah, wrapping, wrapping up kind of this middle chapter. And it's the opposite of repetitive in the sense that there's no repeated choruses. I, what I, we played last, I think of as the chorus because it has that feeling, but each time it's new depictions of the destruction of the earth, no air to breathe, everything on fire, the plants dying. And uh, and then the one thing that's closest to a verse is an acknowledgement of like, oh, all of this is my fault. I caused this and I am not changing my behavior to avert disaster. And it's really heavy cores, really minor key. It's just a very like heavy, you know, as you said, almost metal-y song. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, I don't think people are going to dance to this one when they play it live. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's, but it's I appreciate you know hearing them go in different directions, and this is I think a different kind of song from anything they've played before, and it has really nice kind of jarring uh, tempo shifts where it's the most of the vocal parts are super slow, and then there are these really fast instrumental sections and really whiplash jarring transitions from fast to slow and back. Mm-hmm. Now you said the you see the album as bring as being broken into three parts. Which part would you put this with? No, this is the middle section of just everything's going to hell, mm. and we're in Portland and have a front row seat for that. So is the next song the beginning of the next section? Yes. Yeah, so the next song that we would play, yes, I, I consider it to be kind of the last section that's I think less thematically cohesive, but sees the band going back. I think in their traditional, uh, very feminist and very obviously feminist bent. It's a song called "Complex Female Characters." I like those complex female characters, but I want my women to go down easy. I like those complex female. 
I asked if you thought that the the prior that this song belonged in the same section as the prior song is that I feel like it still has that same dark energy there's not as much anger it's more kind of tongue-in-cheek but it's still obviously very dark and minor key and you know addressing a subject that's very frustrating yeah I I think because it's not explicitly about the year 2020 in Portland. And uh-huh. I felt like those middle three tracks are all about oh, okay, our city it. is on fire and yeah. everyone's going to die and the fascists are going to take over yeah. like tomorrow. Yeah. And so this is more just the general of like douchey dudes are out there and some of them are our fans. And uh, you can tell that Carrie Brownstein has a lot of fun getting, you know, be embodying and getting inside the head of one of these guys. It's just like, yeah, you're, be hotter. Just dance. Be like you were 20 years ago and keep keep doing those high kicks that we like, but not too high. I think that also the fact that she is such a she has such a wide array of talents. She's not only in this band, but she wrote a book. She, you know, was wrote the wrote and starred in the TV show Portlandia. She's done other film and TV work. And so she's been exposed to presumably a lot of these people writing complex female characters yeah it is yeah it is this universal thing that no matter what they do and how much success they achieve they're always going to be judged by this double standard and it sucks because they're so good and what they do is yeah it it is neither too much nor not enough it's just right and even you know as i said like i have little quibbles about this album they haven't quite figured out how to incorporate some of these instruments like i feel like after that experiment with andy clark it's like it's just let's go from a trio up to like a five or a six piece and have backing vocals and keyboards and all this stuff and it's i think they haven't quite mastered it and maybe trying to produce it themselves in the pandemic while taking on all of this but ambition awesome and yeah, some of the songs I feel like don't quite gel, but this is one where I really was reminded a lot of a song off one beat, uh, Light Rail Coyote, which I heard on the album, didn't get it. Then I saw them perform it live and I thought, oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And these are not songs. They haven't been able to take them out yeah. and tour them live. And I've seen this band enough times to see songs that they workshop and figured out before they went on the album and they didn't get to do that. And so like this album has a lot of this, this you can't escape my imagination where they're almost channeling Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I'm not sure it 100% works on the album, but holy moly, this is going to be amazing in concert. Yeah. And I'm saying holy moly a lot because this band even... Like, this isn't the best Slater-Kinney record, but 
a middling Slater Kenny record is still a really good record. And this one has grown on me in a huge way. And I'd much rather hear a band that's trying new things and trying to be expansive with their sound and maybe not be successful every time than just hear them make another album that sounds like the rest of the albums, which I can put on any time if I want to hear, you know, the hot rock. Yeah, and exactly. And I think this won't be my favorite Slater Kenny record, but I like I met someone who thought that All Hands on the Bad One was his favorite Slater Kenny record. And so I'm sure someone will, this will be that person's favorite. And that's awesome. I love that. And so I can't wait for them to tour and maybe not with Wilco. Yes. I don't want to deal with that. (laughs) But I want to see them. They're so good. Yeah, they're back. Every album is a gift. So we're going to go out with the last song, which is called Bring Mercy. And we've been discussing the newsletter, Kenny Record, Path of Wellness, and you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks so much for listening. How do we face a moment? One that slaps across the cheek How do we lose our city? Rifles running through our streets is a proud member of the BFF.fm podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.